0: Welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast, episode 3. As always, my name is Laura Boyle and I am your host. This week, we are talking about love in the time of COVID-19. My name is Laura Boyle. I'm your host. As always, our our blog can be found at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash ready for polyamory. The Ko fi is ko fi.com slash ready for polyamory. Our guest today is David Overton, who used to be a uh, administrator and moderator at New England Polyamory and was the host for four years of the New England Polyamory Polyprom. He was going to be running that this year in 2020 for its fifth year as well. It was, of course, canceled due to COVID-19 instead of being a 200-person event this June. Uh, We are going to be speaking with him about a variety of subjects because uh, we talked first, being friends, about what we were going to talk about This episode is a little bit disjointed. There's a little bit of, well, talking about what we're going to talk about. And when I tried to do some silence before the podcast officially started, uh, we weren't so much silent as continuing to talk because we're both chatty. So there's some, mm, well, chatter in the middle And then we move on to official podcast. So you'll have me as a bridge in between those two sections. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's pretty informative and pretty interesting. To be catchy, uh, we're going to call this episode Love in the
1: Time of Uh COVID-19.
2: Because
1: the more times I can steal Gabriel Garcia Marquez being a genius and me not being a genius, the better. Okay.
2: And I mean, do you want me to kind of just so I guess the best way that I would kind of do a short summary is just like the idea that, you know, I would say there's two main things that that I would want to probably touch upon if we wanted to talk about it more in depth is one, the idea that COVID, well, probably three of them, one, the idea that COVID is similar to like STI conversations, I think with individuals, because there's a definite uh, correlation between like that in terms of risk mitigation and and various comfortableness. Um, two, I'd probably then like, and, and we can talk about it in whatever order you think makes more sense, but it would be like two, we would talk about, um, the logistics of it and like kind of what i did and what i found to be best practices and you know because we probably still have another six to eight months of this and so yeah, like, i'd
1: say at least for the average joe public yeah. in america
2: yeah i mean you're probably going to get it a little early got got some, yeah, got some I, what, what
1: yeah i personally am but my whole polycule isn't so
2: right so they'll just pass you around. Sexy bitches. <laughs> you, you can be the common no, but they can't meet. Sorry. You can't be around me for an extra month, but I can go to your all, all your houses. Um, so... Apparently
1: I had an all your lately, but like...
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, so the the logistics of that, and I'd probably just, you know, go over... That, you know, I kind of downloaded the leaked CDC report, that, that big big one, when I was first talking about stuff. And, you know, I basically just crib note, noted that where and I had a various agreement. And then I would say the third thing is the sneakyarchy. And I think that we touched upon earlier about, mm-hmm. like, the fact that the pandemic would bring out a lot of hierarchy that people like it's a reality that people don't like to talk about you know like i feel that in the community there's a lot of uh posturing around oh we don't we don't practice hierarchy and i'm one of those people but i'm also one of those people who at the end of the day like uh, there's this um there's this Best way to describe it is this great YouTube video that I love, and it's a uh, and it's this family talking about getting pizza, and and these two guys in masks break in, and they're like, "You have to shoot one of your kids," and they're like, "What?" and I'm like, "Oh my God, you got to shoot and, and and you know and he did, oh well, Danny's better in math, and and then you know they're like having this conversation to do it, and then she pulls the trigger, and nothing happens, and the guy takes off his masks, and he goes, "Now you know which one of your mother loves more." do with that information what you will. And then they just leave. (laughs) And it's like, you know, there's that reality that when the shit, when the chips hit the floor, when the shit hits the fan, when, when bad shit happens, you gotta make a choice sometimes. And it sucks, but there's that reality. And I feel that there's a privilege in a way of people who try to say, well, we don't have any higher, it's like no you do you just it's 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 the it's the deep down like garb, you know like when everything's shit that's when you make some difficult decisions
1: well and so i think the the conversation that we're gonna end up having about that is the to what extent do people get to lean on the, well, I live with X and Y person, so there's inherent hierarchy or descriptive hierarchy there. And well, I'm going to lean really hard on that um, and yeah. try to use that as my crutch or my reason or my foible here.
2: I would, while I don't necessarily always like the people who describe themselves this way. I consider myself a relationship anarchist. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's where I would push back on is like, it's the idea of like postmodern aspects of self-defining of a relationship between two individuals. And I think that there's the reality of the purpose that you're saying where people fall into a habit they don't really have a full understanding of their agency and autonomy and and being in a relationship and they you know when you couple and rely on monogamous this is how it's done because this is how it's always done but you've never actually been really told how it's done you just kind of figure it out from people that you've watched and kind of probably some media mixed in and you kind of you know, all of these separate little pieces are, are 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 just shit that we make up. We 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 there's a zeitgeist of the rules between you and your friends and your partners and other things to that effect. So, you know, the descriptive hierarchy that I think people talk about is I own a house with my wife, you know, and and, and their shared property there. And when we tried to buy the house, like at the time, we tried to include Shannon in being involved with that um, mm-hmm. because I do have an uh, uh, aspect of a, you know, I tried to be equitable, you know, I want to build a life with both of these people. But at the end of the day, you know, Shannon talked to a lawyer and they went, well, you'll only have one third and that will only have two two third, you know, speaking in a realistic legal term, but also a monogamous viewpoint of, mm-hmm. You won't have rights on the house, and it's like, like and and my point it was like, well, yeah, but they but they had had equity, you know what I mean? So like right. they but better than renting, but. Listen to the lore, you know what I mean? So like, eventually, you know, I would like to like build a, a place like Mosaic in Berlin, um, you know, tiny houses, big common area, you know, having some sort of community built and being able to essentially live with people that I give a shit about outside of the context of a single family home. That's going to be a lot of effort, but you know, but realistically, you know,
1: right. Realistically, it's not, it's not a thing. And I can't promise that.
2: Right. And I can't promise that to three of my partners that, Oh, I'll totally live with you. You know, I would, Mm -hmm. could I see myself living with them in some kind of co-housing arrangement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think of that of all five of my partners currently. Um, that being said, like there's the reality that I am already in the situation before they kind of entered my life in this more serious way. And I have to deal with the consequences of my actions and consequences in a neutral term, you know, the consequences of my previous decisions. Like I can't be like, ah, you're you're really pretty, and I'm gonna go off and and I really want to live with you. Like I like I want to. I, realistically, I'm making that choice of I want to really live with them more, in part because of some cost, in part because of of uh, the difficulties of rearranging living conditions. Um, you know, I think it's difficult to talk about hierarchy because what we owe to each other in terms of a relationship um, because of an explicit conversation versus the, you know, kind of baby poly opening up, you know, where, where, especially when people come from an established monogamous relationship where they go, you know, this person is going to be my one and only and this person's going to be, and that's not wrong. It's just that, and here, here, here's the thing it's often not sold that way when they start trying to branch out and getting to other relationships because let's be real. They have no tools to properly express themselves of the relationships and commitments that they can make being polyamorous,
1: mm-hmm. but in
2: most cases, you know what I mean? So, Oh, I love you. Oh, I'll be with you forever. Like I don't say that shit anymore because, like, I I have a better understanding of the there are things outside of my control. There are pathways that are, are gonna. I am not looking at my any of my partners as I'm gonna be with you forever. I'm gonna be with you as long as we both wanna be for as long as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's a lo- lot more to say, but it's uh, I don't know, more accurate.
1: Right. There are a lot more caveats on the commitments that we're making, but they make them more honest.
2: Right. Because, again, like people like the idealism,
1: right? Right. Right. There's more specificity and more realism in some of the commitments that we're talking about. And in some ways, that makes handling the difficulties of a pandemic easier, and in some ways, it doesn't. Right. And that's the angle that I want to approach that bit of it from. If that so makes terms sense. Like, so, so when you said
2: le- like leaning on hierarchy makes it easier because the decisions are easier but then
1: like right. some of those decisions become simpler but sometimes it makes apparent uh inherent things that people were Ignoring or that hadn't hurt their feelings because they hadn't impacted time division or things like that. That suddenly now they impact time division in a different way, or
2: whatever. And I would actually say it goes farther than that because if we're thinking about okay, so we're talking about pre pre pandemic, during the pandemic, and maybe post pandemic, but mostly the first two. So pre pandemic, you had this, you know, either loose or stringent definition of what a relationship is and everybody's cool with it. Boom. Pandemic hits. Changes need to be made. Decisions need to be made. You know, all of a sudden the relationship that was peachy keen has this point of conflict of i potentially might not see you for X. What are we suddenly need to renegotiate X amount of, of dynamics within a relationship. And when we're talking about polyamory, we're talking about, that more so and then if you have hierarchical aspects already in place suddenly there's a threatening thing there of oh i'm i'm, I'm spending more time with my wife because uh, we live together and and you know those things that you said and and mm-hmm. then oh well like now they're getting closer and, and and they weren't as close as they used to be and that's a limited resource and i need to be closer so thus instead of what we had before we need to have X amount of video dates or X amount of things. And, and what if X person isn't good at said activities? Like I have a partner of mine who I feel like we're just kind of talking about it. So uh, if you want to edit, edit this, edit this in, at any point, whatever. Um,
0: Here's where we attempted silence and a formal introduction, but honestly it came out better in the informal. So we left that. And we just jumped right into the next section. I hope you enjoy. And the effect that all of that has
1: had on the dating lives of polyamorous people and on all of our relationships, because uh, especially people in larger polycules have had kind of an interesting year of it. Uh, And I know that as someone is uh, used to be an organizer of various events in your area and who is still a person in a larger polycule uh, you were pretty proactive about having those conversations with the people in your network right so I guess my first question would be did you approach this, uh, series of events and this sort of set of conversations right away when you heard about all of this, at what point did you and your polycule or, uh, network start having these conversations?
2: I'd probably say just like everybody else, when we thought, Oh, it might be only be a couple of weeks, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I think we kind of had that initial, well, it'll be a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Like, you know, we'll ride it out. So uh, it was definitely a tumultuous conversation because people wanted to start seeing each other, um, and we really didn't have a full understanding of how bad the virus was, uh, you know, how easily it was coming contact. I mean, I remember people wearing gloves and, and smocks and leaving packages outside for days so the virus would die off of it and then like oh it doesn't need that much and but yeah so i would say um a real serious conversation started happening uh, thankfully around the time where there was rumors that the cdc was going to have some sort of guideline for reopening various states and being able to see people So I got my hands on that as soon as possible because one of my roommates, he was very persistent on wanting to do it based off of science. Uh, And I tasked him with uh, coming up with a guide. Um, I ended up doing it. And we kind of basically crib noted the CDC guidelines around the various phasing, uh, what constitutes the numbers going down, what constitutes them going up, steps to try to basically have various levels of separation from people depending on the numbers that are within your community. I would say, you know, started in March, April, May. So I'd probably say starting in June. So like around like maybe late May, early June, we started opening up the household again and being able to see partners. And you know, there was the expectation between, you know, how many degrees of separation are they having based on various risk levels that we kind of sussed out, you know? So if you're looking doorknobs in hospitals, uh, you know, (laughs) we're probably going to have, we're going to probably wait till numbers are really low or um, the example would be for one of my partner's aunts. Uh, They worked in a hospital um, and we kind of set the expectation that if that hospital didn't have a case for a period of two weeks, that was when we would feel safe about it. You know, so, so eventually she was able to see her aunt, um, and our aunt retired recently, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's a little bit different with her aunt, but, uh, you know, for the most part, as soon as numbers got it, started getting down into the hundreds, we started being able to see more people being able to open that up. Um, and we, you know, we had a couple of instances where one of my partners, caught COVID and uh, from going to a family event that they were uh, really, you know, felt obligated to go to.
1: I'm sorry to hear that.
2: It it was definitely a little difficult because, you know, based on the rules that we made, we had to, um, you know, you're going to the thing that is objectively risky thing because it was across state lines and a couple other uh, things about that in terms of gathering of people like they were trying to be safe, but it's still at that time risky. Yeah. uh, At least in my opinion. Um, And, 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 and when they came back, when I'm like, all right, well we can't see you for the two weeks incubation time. And I'd probably say a couple of days before we had plans to see each other, they got a test because they weren't feeling well and turned out they had COVID from when they went on the trip. And if we didn't have those reasonable expectations of go do the risky thing, take a period of time before we can see each other in person, you know, that could have spread to me. That could have, uh, cause you know, I would have made out with her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, like, that, like there would have been intimate interaction and, and I'm using intimate in the terms of close quarters. Um,
1: <laughs> I was trying so hard to hold in that giggle guys <laughs> um
2: so yeah, so <laughs> I would say generally, the expectations uh, that we kind of and guidelines that we made for our household was a pretty good success until maybe recently because there's definitely i you know with numbers so high you know various like our household is shut down and so we aren't seeing anybody but not necessarily all my partners are still seeing limited amounts of people um you know because one of them is a single mom and lives with their three kids so like she and our partner i would say the <laughs> new the new the new synonym for for primary so we'll say anchor partner uh, so he's been going over to her house and whatnot. And, and again, mm-hmm. you know, that's goes into the reality of prior, prioritizing risk profiles. Hey, mm-hmm. I live with five other people. It's a little nuts. And, um, they all have various obligations. Um, you know, before we started seriously recording, we were talking about the, the separation of different obligations and when you pull it apart in terms of relationship anarchy. So I have, um, you know, roommate obligations, co-housing obligations. I have, you know, my ownership of my house with my wife. I have, um, you know, relationships, you know, Phil's one of my best friends, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth and Shannon, like they are, um, my wife and girlfriend respectively. Um, you know, I have Shannon's husband, Scott, uh, so he's a metamor and a, and a roommate and, you know, there are these various levels of spoken and unspoken obligations and expectations that you have because
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's this chosen dynamic for living together. Mm-hmm. So for instance, Phil, uh, you know, was the one who pushed for having a more science-based and was a little bit more, less risk averse So we had to kind of go to the lowest common denominator
1: more risk averse or less risk averse like less less willing to take risks and therefore Uh, more risk
2: averse more risk averse would be adverse to risks so i think so i did i say less or more
1: you said less
2: okay more more yeah so he's more risk averse than i would say most of the other household Mm -hmm.
1: and uh thank you for (laughs) thanks for that um it's the English major in me. I catch the things.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I'm an art major. I, I tear apart the English language. It's really bad. Phil being more risk averse, kind of pushed for, uh, expectations that we have for our household that are making it difficult for negotiating this six to nine months ago. Um, yeah six months ago uh, to now, where you know one of my partners um, they're unemployed right now and they literally just go to the grocery store. Is this a person that would be unsafe to come over? You know, I don't think so, but you know with the expectations that we have in terms of our roommates and the fact that we enjoy living together because I've definitely heard stories of, oh yeah, I have three roommates and Everybody just does what they want and makes me wicked uncomfortable. (laughs) We're very close, you know, as terms of a household where I'm really lucky. Um, And part of that is, you know, being thoughtful to other people's versions of risk and what they, for the most part, you have to go to the lowest common denominator in terms of that.
1: Right. And so having made these agreements, you're not throwing them out the window. And since a lot of them are based on local case numbers and local case numbers are only getting higher, right? you can't say, well, local case numbers are so high, but I personally feel good about my partner. Right. So my partner should be able to come over. Right, because there's no statistical reason why your partner is the exception. right, even though well, and again, that, that logically, depends on this particular partner isn't a particularly high risk. She's just kind of an average human
2: right. And it's difficult because there's not an exact way to quantify risks. you
1: mm-hmm. know
2: so for instance, um you know, if you're working with the public, you know, are, are, is everybody who's coming into your place of employment wearing masks is, are, are you working with coworkers or the general public? Are your coworkers trustworthy? You know, there are all of these right. levels of unknowns and, and, and risks, like someone working at a CVS mm-hmm. or, or a hospital, you know, or a place that's, trafficked often by people who don't feel well you know what is the safe number for that and that's difficult to quantify and it's it's a difficult conversation to have and I've had to have it where you know towards the beginning of the fall there was definitely conversations around hey you're taking a new job that's in healthcare you know numbers are getting higher like let's have a last hurrah because the numbers are so high. Yeah. And, and, and the difficulty around, well, the numbers are so high for the thing that you're going to do, but I'm still seeing these other people and the difficult conversations around that because that doesn't feel good. You know, even if you know it makes sense and it's logical, still doesn't feel great.
1: Right. Logic doesn't make your emotions less powerful. (laughs) Right.
2: I mean, I think it depends on if you buy it or not, you know, like in, 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 your, in your deep brain meats.
1: Even if you buy it, like... Well, I'm not I, saying they
2: don't, they go away. Right. But like, I, I, I would argue that it, it can for some people make it
1: hurt less. I will accept the premise that it perhaps can for some people. Oh, right. Well, it it's cause... never worked for me. Well, yeah, like, everybody
2: has different realities.
1: Right. So, like, repeating logical truths enough times can, like, help me rewire my brain to accept mm. new emotional truths. But only over, like, months and months and months of time. Ah. And we have barely had enough time this pandemic for me to, like start accepting that it exists right so mm. i can immediately logical brain start following cdc guidance wear masks do things just out of logic right emotions doesn't need to have anything to do with it right but being told that then my emotions will go away because of this logic
2: oh yeah no and and i apologize if. I implied that it's, it's easy or, or even doable for some people. Um, I think that looks the best way that I could praise this.
1: I don't think that's what you meant either. Yeah. It just is how it came out.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, so the and I guess that's, that's a really good point in terms of the difficulty of navigating this type of situation too. I would say that one of my partners, uh, definitely had um aversions to changes, um, especially where, you know, the closing down of the entire house towards the um so we we had we were planning on having two Halloween parties, one for the children's and one for the adults. And and we had the one for the children's early because oh like we'll have candy, you guys can trick or treat around the house, it'll be great. And that was when it was under a thousand. Mm-hmm. And then that weekend, boom, right you know, up. right up, uh, we hit 2,000, and that was one of our cut uh, agreed upon household cutoff to things of once it hits 2,000, we're done. Social distancing only, yeah, for the foreseeable future. And uh, man, that I was looking forward to not having kids here and being in costume and and, and you
0: having know having a good time.
2: time. Yeah, yeah, and um. That didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it it was it was uh, difficult to navigate all that. Uh, you know, because again, there's different realities. Some people have more aversion to change. Uh, in terms of, they'll need transitional periods to kind of get through. This is now this and they'll need two or three days to like get over their raw feelings about it. And, you know, as you get to know someone, you're kind of not kids gloves, but you understand the way that they best deal with situations or hear information. Right.
1: Who uh, processes change how and how best to present the change to them.
2: Right. And that can be difficult. Um, you know, especially for people who might not be super comfortable with talking about those things. Um, Because again, you know, you have, unless you've had explicit discussions about what you are with somebody, what the expectations of time are, what the expectations of how invested you are in a relationship and not in a, oh, I love you forever. But like, yeah, like as long as my house is on on fire, if you're in the hospital, I'll be there. Uh, you know what I mean? Like setting realistic expectations of how reliable I can be depending on my other extraneous situations.
1: Well, right. And one of the biggest sort of world-shaking things about this whole pandemic has been That it made people have really challenging conversations about those expectations, right? It went from, I can promise that short of a flood in the basement or the kids being on fire, you've got every second Tuesday and the Saturdays on the weeks you don't have Tuesdays to, like, well, we're in lockdown until the governor says we're not in lockdown. Right. I can give you a video chat on those nights. So long as the kids aren't on fire. Right. (laughs) Like,
2: (laughs) right. And, and again, so there, those, those hierarchy, um, aspects that kind of flood in because of the sudden shifts in dynamics And then there's also the realities of, you know, there's not an equivalency. Uh, So uh, for instance, someone could be very against video chats because they need in-person interaction or their love language is touch. And that was a main way that you connected with your partner. Um, Suddenly that's gone. And man, am I only dating this person because they do X for me or... Or other realizations that you might have that that you know, I have definitely saw a lot of relationships go under and 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 people uh have those realities dawn on them, you know, of oh man, like they're not they said they would be X for me and now they're not. And what do I want to do with that information?
1: Well, right. So right now i only have one partner basically because the like super casual thing i had going just as the pandemic hit floundered instantly upon <laughs> the pandemic hitting uh and when they reopened hospitals for what i'm going to scare quotes as elective surgeries in the hospital for three weeks and my partner got to come in for two hours right of one afternoon because that's the amount of time that the covid rates were low enough the neuro wing has its own icu which is separate from the icus where they were dealing with covid patients and the rates were low enough at the time the day i went in for that surgery that it took Three weeks to recover from uh, in the hospital. They had 110 electrodes in my head and were recording the whole time. And like, time, in a, yeah. yeah. And so, in like a normal year, he'd be like sleeping on a cot. Right. Next to me for as many days as he could get away. Right. Which would be at least half of them. Right. Assuming that my mom hadn't forced him out. Right. And we both hate the telephone, but have learned to love nightly telephone calls because it's what we do now.
2: Oh, it's like you're 15 all over again.
1: Well, or, oh. as he, or as he put it, it's like we're in a long distance relationship from living 15 minutes apart. <laughs> um,
2: well, right. I mean, don't you, there's, there's an aspect there of uh, skill development Mm-hmm. In terms of maybe one of the consequences of, of pandemic poly relationships is, um, you know, more people being able to shoulder the burden of long distance relationships because they have a lot more of that skill set bit up built up. So mm-hmm. that'll be once there's a bunch of nerd cons and poly conventions and ah oh man they're, they're going to be a bunch of more, long, more long-term long-distance relationships because people are going to be better at it
1: Yes, uh <laughs> in 2022 when we can run cons in person again right uh, we will all be able to maintain the relationships that we start in conversations and pick up play at those conventions um <laughs> Instead of going, it's been a nice life, let's email for two weeks and then never talk it's again. Interesting, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that'll still happen, but. That will definitely happen to me because I'm a squirrel in terms of attention span, but like, you know, <laughs> I've learned. Some new skills.
2: Teletherapy is actually uh, an interesting uh aspect a that we
1: wonderful update of this year. I'm so excited to have my therapist by teletherapy.
2: Well, more or less that like, I, like it's actually something that I've had personal experience with because I haven't seen a therapist since probably junior senior year of high school um so get a therapist get two if you can <laughs> i think i'm good with the one i have but it, it was it was it was a uh, difficult um you know when i i i literally had every single one of my partners kind of talk behind my back and cl- agree collectively that i needed a therapist we um, all need
1: therapists you know, we all
2: need therapy um but you know it's uh man if you thought finding a therapist as a poly kinky person was hard before, you know what's even worse? Doing it during a pandemic.
1: I believe you.
2: Yeah, it was um, real also, hard.
1: the best ones were all on leave or had COVID at right. some point during this thing. Want to know right. how I know? <laughs> because,
2: <laughs> because your therapists were unavailable for a variety of different reasons?
1: At different points during oh, the last
2: year. Well, okay, see, you got some overlap then, right? This one's out, but you got this one. This one's out, but you got the other one now.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, I used different ones for regular therapy and family therapy uh, by myself and with my co parents. So different ones were out for different reasons at different points, but it was an interesting year. Um, I'll probably get a little bit of
2: flack for this, but, uh, I would say before I had a therapist, I definitely kind of daisy chained my friend networks and like, you know, multi- it went two ways, like, you know, uh, but I definitely, I would talk to friends about issues, you know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, you're all the way over here. So you're not interacting with these people. So I need some help processing over here, you know, and various kind of support networks in terms of my communication styles but there is definitely the need to talk with someone with no bias, no, but you know what I mean? Not having any kind of uh, interconnectivity because, um, you know, unfortunately I have a lot of overlap in my, my polycule and it's just be getting more and more and more complicated. Like two of my partners date each other. At least two of them are into each other. Um, like one of my partners is also dating my more so that's, they're both dating me and him and then there's a potential for another thing between those two
1: it's a lot (laughs) you need a chart
2: oh i mean i have a chart (laughs) that's
1: i just it's an interesting constellation
2: yes I, i forgot have i shared that with you
1: no but if you do i will laugh and then decide what animal in what position it looks like and then inform you okay so well it,
2: it's 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 um it's this website called kumo uh, i believe that k u m u i o um or .io and uh, it's 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 actually like this live chart so it does it it, it, it kind of pushes itself in real time yeah so, uh, it's not super, it's not the most efficient, but it's definitely better than writing it out on a piece of paper. And, uh, uh, I like it. It's actually one of the ways that I kind of visualized, um, the kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon of, of COVID, uh, you know, where, you know this person has this risky position over here and
1: this is who they're connected to. And where you saw how somebody could catch it and then typhoid Mary out to like 30 of you. Right. Um, And it's,
2: it's definitely, uh, you know, very, it mirrors STI decisions really well. Um, You know, the idea of the risk in, in various activities that people decide to partake in um, versus the comfort of people within those certain circles and the, the realities of conflicting agreements that can arise
1: mm-hmm.
2: so for instance piv condoms when you're not using them for oral sex or using gloves
1: well right. and even outside of that taking the me- the metaphor the one step back that relates it back to our discussion it's because people are like less afraid of that one step back undermining their position well even further back from that people are less afraid of the social events that you'll be attending that can still be times where you'll pass COVID along. Right. And I think in general, socially, people are a lot less risk averse when it comes to activities where there is still some COVID risk. Right. I mean, we can I not we can compare for it. everybody to stay inside forever. I'm not saying like, hide in bubbles until 2023.: <laughs> This is not at all. But my maybe we,
2: Maybe we can equate uh, <laughs> eating inside with orgies, <laughs> you know, in a, in, a, in a really bad like, please by all <laughs> means, eat inside, but I might not spend time with you uh, because that's a little outside of my risk bubble. <laughs> eating
1: outside prior to the general public getting vaccinations is unbarriered orgies prior <laughs> i mean let getting well and
2: uh, yeah and it depends like do they have really good ventilation how do you quantify that um <laughs> you know you go into the applebee's and it's outside dining but all the walls are down for the tent that's outside that inherently makes it inside outside
1: that's an orgy with some barrier use.
2: ah <laughs> uh, okay i'm glad that we're getting the proper parallels for the listeners <laughs> but i mean while i think we're being cheeky right now um i i i don't think it's 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 unfair to 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 draw those parallels in terms of um you know i can think of a couple people you know in that when i was like 2,500 cases daily just a couple weeks ago and they were posting pictures of themselves eating in bars on, on, on Facebook and, and, you know, I was definitely being a little judgy here. I was just like, who the fuck would do that right now? Like what? Like, nah, but you know, what can I do besides realistically just like, well, you know, while you do
1: I have my own risk profile and it's not the same as yours.
2: Right. It's and the same
1: I, thing as choosing not to engage with someone when their risk profile is decidedly different than yours. When you sit down to try to negotiate what a sexual encounter would look like,
2: right? And then, and then here's 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 where we'll bring it all the way around. What is quote unquote your profile based on what you have previously agreed to? in various livings or, or a relationship settings. So, mm-hmm. you know, I might really want to go to the unbarriered orgy, but based on my previous commitments with other people and saying, I will not go do that thing because it would make you uncomfortable. Some people will, who are very pro a hundred percent autonomy would be like, Oh, that's a rule. And it's like, eh, it's, you know, if, 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 if I've made a commitment to somebody to not go beyond their stated boundaries. a series boundaries,
1: of agreements that I've right.
2: made that I'm going to stick to. Or not, and, and deal with the consequences.
1: Right.
2: If we go back to right now, I have some partners who are very low risk just because they don't see anybody, but the overarching expectation that I set of having, you know, 2,000 people be the top limit of when we're going to have our house open I you know based on decisions that I've made previously which I thought were, which were you know in my best interest or I negotiated to my best interest suddenly I'm like well shit like I mean <laughs> I should
1: have right you assumed if the state was at 2000 that the or you know the area was at 2000 the world would be so terrible right well that your partners would all be high risk enough that you need to distance from them right and you're finding that that's not the case right and um and now you're sort of like well i could kick myself i'd love to see them
2: right but i also need to respect my boundaries with the people that i've made those agreements with i would say that if i had more hindsight i would have set additional expectations around definable acceptable risk levels for seeing people outside of the household if certain conditions were met to try to
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know make that a little bit more open but then and then one of the benefits of having something that's a little bit more vague is i don't have to have a lot of conversations that are difficult with various partners around, well, I can see this person, but not this person. I just now see nobody. And like, it sucks, but there's, there's, there's pros and cons to each kind of uh, variation on how you're going to be dealing with it. Cause it is a little silly that I'm not seeing certain people, but then I don't have to deal with the mental labor of now I have to have this conversation of why, I'm defining it this way because of X
1: behavior. It saves the mental and emotional labor of setting all of those expectations uh, in a way that feels equitable to people.
2: Right. Because, like, again... Because one's going to
1: agree about those risk profiles, probably. Right. And right just right. getting your household to agree about those risk profiles would probably be really oh. challenging oh it was
2: at least a two-hour conversation it was it, well so yeah so we have like everybody in the household besides one person is currently working one works in an office situation uh me and my meta scott work from home and my two partners uh are doing nannying right now um in part because they saw the need for people who were leaving the, the place, the place where they worked, um, you know, leaving the more high risk center environment. Mm-hmm. And the um, right now, like people who got nannies instead of doing daycares are probably super happy about that. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was uh, at least for those two, they've tried to also like keep in the expectations of our, our household agreement in a way as a, as a, he, I am a safe nanny because we are doing X to make sure that we are reducing our risk. Yeah. You know, they were able, but I, realistically, I think they're able to, you know, request similar and in, in one case, higher rates than what they were getting doing just the the daycare work, which, you know, objectively was a little bit more challenging in terms of amount of effort and and mm-hmm. craziness
1: no, right. But that makes sense. So they're like leveraging this to some extent. And so it's sort of important to maintain the current agreement. Right.
2: But, Not just for our interpersonal relationships, but because their employment uh, and and right now their livelihood, you know, they don't want to have to tell their employers, oh, I can't be employed by you for two weeks three times in a row because we've had all these scares.
1: Right. To your knowledge, are any of them finding it challenging that they can't see people who are outside of the household as well?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I definitely, and, and around the same issues that I'm having with, you know, w- defining the household limit and the various risk profiles of individuals, um, you know, me and uh, my part, my meta Scott are dating the same woman outside of the household, and and we we helped them get a washer and dryer for for uh, a Christmas gift. We we pitched in as a household, um, but we're we're also not going to spend a grand on that. We 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 searched Craigslist and right. <laughs> and, we, and we got like a decent washer dryer combo because also her partner only had one twenty volt. Let me tell you. Finding a 120 volt electric dryer <laughs> really difficult. Really difficult because they're mostly 240. Yep. And uh, and and apparently it's.
1: So as somebody who uh, has, because of not living with a partner during this pandemic, sort of felt the side effects of. Being on the outside of a lot of these precautionary steps of doing all of these, like, oh, well, so I guess we're going to do a lot of phone calls and go for some masked, socially distanced hikes with my dog. Hikes are good. As the weather gets better. Right. It's been a kind of weird ride, and I don't know if you have had sort of similar feelings about any of your partners who have been residing with their anchor or nesting partners, because I know we've focused a lot on your household and your household's agreements as sort of a fulcrum for your polycule um
2: well uh, yeah so uh when my one of my partners got a job uh you know doing a higher risk activity you know it was definitely an aspect of you know when we waited to take a different job you know uh they weighed the options of being able to see me versus the hope of the potential benefits of taking the job. You know, getting off unemployment um, for my partner, particularly, it was getting certain types of experience that they uh, have been looking for. Um, you know, so it, it was it was definitely the right call based on the information that they had available. Um, but it was still a choice, and I could I could choose to act. Um, poorly about it or I could try to act with empathy and, and to have the understanding of I'm not always going to come first. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I think it's a little bit easier. um, And at least this is how I framed it for myself. It's a little bit easier because I know it's not going to be permanent or at least I have a good feeling that it's not going to be permanent.
1: Yeah, I think now we pretty much all know that it's not going to be permanent because we've now had one vaccine approved and one is currently under consideration.
2: Events. I miss those.
1: Yeah, I think everybody misses other humans' faces and even the faces of humans who we don't actually miss that much. Like, I miss acquaintances in bars. Right. <laughs> like.
2: Man, I, th- dad, like, th- yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I, definitely... I miss
1: holding a Coke in a cup with a straw and a garnish and people <laughs> asking me what's in it right. and lying. Because it's not that I don't drink as a policy.
2: Mm -hmm. It's
1: that I'm not drinking right now because medical reasons. Right. And so I go, oh, here, let me have that mocktail or that soda with a garnish <laughs> and like that's all fine but people are such assholes at events when you admit that you're just drinking a soda i mm. don't know why but they are Because you're not this on is, their
2: level man
1: this is true whether or not you're organizing the event right and um, so how
2: dare you be sober at an event you're running and responsible for how
1: dare you be responsible enough to drink nothing or only one beer at an event that you're running
2: Uh, on my quest to be a smart whore instead of a dumb whore um i'm going (laughs) to try to uh you know get to know someone for three or six months before and, and have a better understanding of where they're at for a variety of different vector points before I'm fucking around with them.
1: I'm sorry that I'm laughing so hard. It's just that the last time I recorded with someone, they kept referring to themselves as a slutty slut. And then today right. you keep using you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be a smart whore instead of a dumb whore. Yeah. i want on a quest. A
2: quest <laughs> for enlightenment of who I should fuck around with. Too, I can't. Sorry. You want me to just start saying slutty slut? Cause... No, no. no okay.
1: I, I like yours. It's just... <laughs> well,
2: because I, I, I like it because I feel like even before I go into explaining it, most people kind of have that understanding of like, oh yeah, dumb whore, smart whore. Like you don't hear smart whore super often, but you can kind of get that uh-huh. pretty quick vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my quest to be a smart whore because um, again, like ignoring various red flags of of various things, and and uh, it's 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 uh, been detrimental. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Relatable content,
2: right? (laughs) But but I must be doing uh, something right. I got, I got, I'm almost, I'm almost at a year with all five of my relationships or romantic relationships. So
1: so you are so close to being the stereotype that the tabloids want to sell us.
2: Oh yeah, I'm all about that. No tabloids though. I don't need that shit in my life. So close yeah man like if if if, if uh, I was more if I had more of a face for TV TLC would be all over it like you have know, five partners now oh we gotta if get a lot of TV waivers
1: seven or more oh yeah let me know so that I can use you as my exception to the rule as <laughs> no but really I know that guy <laughs> <laughs>
2: I actually know someone who who has claimed to have seven at one time and uh, they said it was very short-lived and I'm definitely, again, on the quest to be a smart whore and to have successive relationships with people in a way that's not going to blow everything else up.
1: Did you mean successive or successful?
2: Successive. Successive, is that a word?
1: Successive is a word. It means one following the other
2: um so what's yeah so that wouldn't work because that would be like as if i was breaking up with them
1: Um, right that would be like serial monogamy
2: so what's the word i'm looking for um
1: concurrent concurrent
2: thank you so i'll say that again so so i want to have five concurrent relationships without blowing them all up so you know if i did add another person it would have to be you know with The understanding of not blowing up my other shit. Mm -hmm.
1: Hopefully. Yeah, no. So that sounds like a good plan. Um, (laughs) I joked in the first episode of this season that I don't know anyone who is the guy who I think the tabloids made up who has like seven to 10. Uh, partners who he just sort of keeps around <laughs> um, <laughs> but that when I meet him uh, I will let everyone know and that if anyone knows him they should have him send me an email
0: uh, so that I, I can I'll say d- I'll... that
1: I know him so if your friend manages that hat trick again <laughs> he should send me an email
2: i mean are we considering play partners because i mean i'm at that 10 range probably for considering people i play with on a semi-frequent basis just for the
1: fact that you're willing to say that i will consider you that guy now okay and i will for the record (laughs) make that the tagline of this completely unrelated to the main topic of the episode portion of the episode oh i found the guy this in i found the guy yes i found the guy
2: well yeah because i have my five romantic partners that you know i love you's been dropped and whatnot in like a specific romantic this is this isn't a romantic i love you versus a platonic or you know, romantic, but we're not in an established dynamic kind of situation. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd probably say like four or five people that I would consider people that at least probably twice a year, if not more potentially, I would see them and and do some sort of scene with them.
1: So, Mm okay. Okay. (laughs) I look forward to your response to that uh, travesty of a casting call that went out, like, a couple weeks ago in your area. No, not your area. You're, like, an hour plus north of there. Did you see the terrible (laughs) casting call that they put out? Oh, wait, yeah, I think I did see that. The phrasing of the questions was borderline insulting in how clueless they were about how any of this works. Um, Somebody somebody just did no research before trying to figure out what they were going to ask about how a polyamory worked. Well, I mean, maybe they watched that
2: one thing on Showtime and like, ah, we can do our own version of this. Uh, um.
1: maybe I'm going to continue to make fun of that thing on Showtime (laughs) later this season. If you didn't listen to last season's takedown of the first three episodes of that thing on Showtime, please go back and listen. It's great. We had a lot of
0: fun. (laughs) So we'd like to thank David Overton for joining us for that discussion of the effects of COVID-19 on polyamorous relationships polycules and individual relationships within them and also uh, of course as always we'd like to thank Vince Conaway for our intro and outro music you can find him at www.vinceconaway.com which is linked in the show notes Um, you can find our blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com and the Patreon and the Ko-Fi will be linked in the show notes if you feel moved to support the podcast or the blog. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Another episode for the podcast will be up next Saturday. Next week's episode is going to be on the relationship escalator and different ways to indicate whether or not a relationship is working.